Welcome to the podcast, Excellence for Every Learner. We're already at season two. This is episode three. I Ryan Hughes is our co-host. I'm your host, Dave Lockinger. Yes. This is the co-host. Ryan, I'm glad you're back. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Um, last week, I had a prior engagement, and I'm sorry I couldn't be here. So I'll hear it in my fan mail, I'm pretty sure. Well, there was... We, we haven't, from my mom. We... <laughs> We haven't put it on uh, Spotify yet, but I know that people were very, like, I know that people are going to be, what? Like, Trish Lecision did a great job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know that people, uh, that like, inquiring minds want to know. So we just, the first question is actually mm. with you, Ryan. Yes. Ryan, are you still going to continue to be the co-host of Excellence for Every Learner? Well, I'm, it's a great question that you've posed to me, Dave. And uh, I'm happy to say that I'll be on for the rest of this season. And uh, I'm in talks to do season three. Oh, you're in talks. While I'm in talks. Okay. Who are you in yeah. talks with? Joe Rogan. Um, my mom. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna see if she needs me to help her with anything. And I today's guest was awesome. Yeah, I I thought our conversation with Kelly Gerhardt was just a great conversation. Didn't come off like an interview. It felt like we were having a talk about how to implement things in the classroom and mental health and. It's on everyone's minds, and I don't think it's going away. I mean, I think it's a part of our part of our initiatives for a long time. I think so too, and I think like the thing, like the message, and you're going to hear it over and over again is, it's 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 complex, but it's simple at the same time, yeah. right? And um, I think it's something that we all just need permission for as teachers or as EAs or as as support staff. We've got people. We're in the people business, and to trust our instincts. You got right on your side as long as you're leading with your heart. I think yep. that that's great. So just fantastic tidbits of information on on managing your classroom and 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 everything from you know if you're a pre-K teacher all the way up to grade twelve. What are some stuff that you can do, right? To and just validation for what we're some teachers are already doing and making us feel like you know what what we're doing is good work. And uh, I really appreciated that. And validation for the folks that the mental health workers and the the the, the social workers, the mental health workers, the mentors, the, the everyone that we have in, in the building, right? It's a like team, right? It's a we're team. All, we're all on this together. Yeah. Well, let's quit. People don't want to listen to us. We want to listen to Kelly Gerhardt. So uh, here's uh, this is Ryan and I sitting down with Kelly Gerhardt. So we're super excited uh, to have Kelly Gerhardt here. Um, and Kelly's been working with the division for, I guess we're going to find out a little bit more about that. For how many years now, Kelly? Um, this is my sixth year with this role. Well, it's kind of, it's broken. It's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> Buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> so <laughs> um, now I'm not really good with years, so it's hard Um so I've been in a consultant role for six years, and then previous to that, I was working in Herbert, Saskatchewan with Chinook School Division, and then previous to that, I was back with Sask Rivers for four years. Okay, and what, so like doing, in what capacity have you been working? With Sask Rivers? Yeah, well, just let's start at the, let's start at the start. Let's start at the start. Okay, so I started as a classroom teacher. Okay. Um, on Mosquito First Nation outside North Battleford for a few years. And then we moved to Rostern. And at that point, I got a job in Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan. And I taught half-time high school ELA and work experience and half-time ed support. Okay. Yeah. And so, and then I moved from there to Hague 
and I did ed support there. And then we moved to, to Waska Sioux, and I worked in the hospital program for two years. Okay. Great. Yeah. I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then into the consultant position um, in the Eagle's Nest partnership, and then, and then we moved to Swift Current, and then we moved back. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you've been working in different capacities, started as a classroom teacher, and now, and then working as an ed support teacher. Yep. And then you started getting, and then as a consultant, what, what kind of drew you into that consulting position? Um, well, I was doing it prior, but it, with the Eagle's Nest um, partnership, and I just really enjoyed working with adults and yeah. um, learning more about mental health, trauma-informed practice. And then when we moved to Swift, uh, Swift Current, I was actually a school counselor. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So then I got more into counseling and mental health, and and I was actually doing part-time uh, private practice as well, therapy. Okay. Yeah. And I knew that a little bit. Like, you still continue to do some private practice I'm work, I'm no right? longer oh. doing that. It was okay. just too much. Okay. Yeah. So you've been everywhere, like, in Saskatchewan, like, north, south, and yep. everyone... Like, so does that, a, I don't know, this may be a silly question, but do you notice differences uh, in Saskatchewan when you go to different places with what you're doing, like demographic-wise or clientele, colleagues, things like that? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, so there's different issues in different places that I've been, but they're just, but kids are the same and teachers right. are the same. Right. Like, it's, it's complicated, but it's simple. And so, I don't know. Yeah. I just put that on my Facebook post. It's complicated, <laughs> but it's simple. Yeah. No, I was just curious. Like, that's a lot of different areas. Yeah. To go from Swift Current up to Waska yeah. Sioux, Hag, Blaine Lake. Yeah, so. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's been a great experience. Yeah. So, let's circle back to that. So, obviously, there's, like, starting as a classroom teacher, and then you receive some training and become an ed support teacher. Right, get into that role and yeah. supporting. And then you, like, how I know you mostly is your work with, as a consultant, when we work together on some projects like with Carleton. But the counseling side of it, that's kind of interesting too. So where does that play into this? And, like, schooling, is that master's degrees, is that? Yeah, so I have my uh, post-degree certificate in special ed, and then I have my master's in ed psych, and then uh, uh, several courses just in counseling, different types of therapy and... Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, and this year with the division, you've taken the lead on supporting mental health practices. And do yeah. you want to talk a little bit, talk a little bit about more, more about that and that role? Yeah. So that role started in the fall of 2020. So it was the full of last year and then this year. And we, we've just been hearing more and more from schools, from parents, the community, teachers, that mental health is, a, is kind of the hot topic right now. Yeah. And people are talking a lot about it. People are concerned about it. And so just looking at how to support that more, I don't know, holistically, I guess, from a school perspective. Yeah. Um, and then I also consult on individual students, but um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So over the years, have you seen, like, with mental health in, in the classroom, so you have a lot of experience. How has that changed over the years? Like, I'm just thinking COVID has really enhanced 
um, or elevated some of it. But even before that, how would how would you say it's either because if, when I was going to high school or even when I was in my first few years of teaching mental health, you didn't hear about the language. You really weren't thinking about that, right? It wasn't a part of the curriculum mm-hmm. per se, but that's 20 years ago. So what would you say would be some of the bigger um, pieces as it's grown over the years? So, and I don't, you guys can, you know, agree or disagree to this, but I would say in the last like five to 10 years, it's been, Become kind of a topic of conversation and a hot topic and kids are talking about it parents are talking about it and I think it's come out of wanting to break the stigma of mental illness and talking more openly about emotions and and our overall mental health but then within that I think we've over I think we've overcomplicated things and so because I agree, like when we, when I was in school, there was no talk about mental health. Mm. People didn't, and I'm not saying that was good, but people didn't seem to be struggling as much with mental health as people are now. And I don't know if anything's actually changed or if we're just talking about it more or if we just think we're struggling more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, well, that's <laughs> the thing for me is that sometimes you can't put out the fire. It's, and that might not be a good way to say it, but you try to find ways and strategies to maybe help with certain issues and certain things that students are going through. But I find it's really hard to come to a pinpoint solution. Like you can't solve it all in the time that you have maybe with a student. Right. But what are some ways that like coping mechanisms, what are those things that you are trying to help guide? I'm, I'm it's, it's, it's basically just doing what everybody has always kind of done without overthinking it. Just mm. listening. People want to be heard. Kids want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be understood. And they want a connection. And like, I'm not saying that mental illness isn't complicated, but when we're talking about overall mental health, it's, it's pretty simple. And I think that t- teachers, from what I've seen in conversations, or what I've heard in conversations and then what I've seen is that people are worried the minute you start saying mental health, mental illness, mental problems, people in schools get worried about um, doing something wrong or saying Mm -hmm. the wrong thing or asking the wrong thing. And, And because we talk so much about it, people think, oh, I'm not a mental health professional, but really you don't need to be a mental health professional to listen and to hear kids and to connect. I think I, I agree a hundred percent. Like, and, and I've said to my staff before too, right? Like I think as an, as an administrator, like I've probably perpetuated that, right? Like Mm -hmm. unless you have the training here, unless you have this, unless you have this, you know, like it's like a, a hot potato, right? And then I think what we have to think about is what does that do to the student when you're working with them if they choose to to say something to you and to talk to you or to confide in you something serious and you're like, I'm going to get someone else to talk to you because I don't want to do this, right? Yeah. Like I, I think that that's, but I think like as an administrator, I, I'd say 100%, I've perpetuated that and I think that's something that we're trying to undo. Yeah. Like I don't think I... I don't think we need to be a counselor to say, oh, man, you, you, you broke up with your boyfriend. That's that's tough. I, I remember those days like that's hard. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess like what advice would you give to to folks that are struggling with that very thing that we're talking about right now? 
just to trust your instincts and to trust your gut and your humanity and just connecting and and just thinking about what you need when you're struggling you can easily give that to anybody Mm -hmm. right and um and that used to just happen naturally in schools and then we we tend yeah we just tend to overcomplicate things in education the more we learn about them and the more like even if you think about like assessments or right. curriculum outcomes like i don't think teachers were thinking so um strategically about those things when i was going to school i think they just went and taught and and now it's it's just uh, seems overcomplicated yeah yeah i think just bearing yeah. like breaking it down to its if a kid falls down they need a hug right they might not yeah. need to talk to a counselor right yeah yes. i found and myself um, last week with a couple of situations where I, I had to go back to my elementary roots and think how would I have handled this in an elementary classroom when mm-hmm. you've got the two kids fighting at the sandbox and how would I have coped with that? And I, and I had to go back to the kind of the toolbox and think about, okay, how would I have done this if I was teaching those grade fives and sixes again? Because I did it then. Why, have, why am I overcomplicating it now? Yeah. These are, I mean, honestly, the emotions are the same. It's just that they're being handled differently by a teenager, especially in the high school. So um, even I have kind of seen that. I've mm-hmm. got to step back and realize, man, I've got to go back to the old tool, uh, the toolkit and find out some of my old strategies. Yeah. Um, so you're saying that it's simple. Um, with, with COVID happening and the initiative happening in, the, in 2020, what were some pieces that you saw right off the bat that students were struggling with? <laughs> so um, a big thing, and I think it just, it, it's just continuing still, is the loss, the, the grief and the loss around missed experiences. Mm-hmm. Because we've got some kids who kind of missed their grade 10, 11, and 12 experiences. Some kids who were saving for class trips, graduation, um, dances, sports. And as adults, I think sometimes we can dismiss some of that. And, oh, it's not that big of a deal because for us remembering, you know, that's a small part of our life, but for them that's everything. And so just really acknowledging the, the actual grief that they've experienced by missing out on some of those huge experiences. So, Kelly, what, yeah. might, that, well, like, what might that look like if that was a conversation? Like, how might I have that? Like... <laughs> That's that's my question. Okay, like, how do I, how do I, how do I honor that grief? Yeah. So, how would you honor grief if a friend of yours' parent died, or yeah, you know, it's you Sit would talking. just say, "Hey, that's shitty." Oh, well, you know, you can, you can. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> no, that's this is our first PG-rated. <laughs> podcast this is great see but i think like right there like that's that's a classic (laughs) example of what you're talking about like you just you're overcomplicating it because i'm like you say that and i'm thinking to myself okay how would i okay what (laughs) what what resource can i look at what what can i look up on google how can i have this conversation with when really it's just like yeah that's that sucks yeah that's really too bad that that happened i'm yeah that's and we, we have kids in our division who've lost parents. And I'm not, like, I, I just want to say I'm not um, downplaying um, 
work that counselors do or that our school social workers do or that our mental health and addictions people do, but um, loss doesn't always require professional counseling. Right. It just requires connection and, and, and not always. Sometimes people have, you know, more complicated grief and they need to work through that with a counselor and need sure. more intensive time. But um, if you guys have ever lost anybody, which I'm sure you have, it just, it takes time and it's going through all the emotions and it just requires your people to be understanding and supportive and just be with you through it because there's no fixing it. There's right. no mm -hmm. making it better. And so just acknowledging that it's crappy and yeah 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 and that's it's not it's it's not complicated, it's not complicated. that's what we should call this this <laughs> thing that it's not that it's yeah. not that complicated <laughs> on, on staff we were joking about a thing in our SCLT meeting with FTV this morning about the classic Dave overthink <laughs> and that's that's kind of <laughs> what it is hey yeah. but I yeah. think as teachers we all overthink those like mm -hmm. We were thinking of those interactions before they happen, and we're wondering how will I cope with that today. We all have those students that every day you think of that one student that might be there, might not be there, mm -hmm. and how are they going to be that day? And so yeah. you're already overthinking it, even when you get up in the morning, you're thinking about it. And then once they're there and you're in that situation with them, it's better to just kind of lay on the brake a little bit mm -hmm. and just let it happen take its course and just listen because sometimes we do it to ourselves i know that i've elevated <laughs> things because i was overthinking it it's like yeah and yep. i was to blame for this yeah. i i could have handled that differently and sometimes that reflection is big uh, but i've noticed with covid like i said this in another one of our podcasts if uh, you're familiar with the show um, <laughs> i said that i've had to step back i i had to really change some of my practices and not worry about what's happening. Not worry if we're playing a game of cards 15 minutes into a class because the kids kind of need that, the mm -hmm. students need mm -hmm. it. So I've, I have changed up my teaching a lot with COVID. I've realized that sometimes education is not their priority yeah. based on how they're feeling. But you saying that, that overthinking piece, like we, I think all teachers, we do that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always wondering what's gonna happen and we wanna deal with it before it happens. Yeah. Well, it's, you're the guest, you go. <laughs> and I was going to say, like, again, you know, when we were going to school, we didn't have, you know, as many supports in the building. And so p things were just handled by the people that were there to handle them. Because even now, I mean, heaven forbid, because I'm, again, I'm not downplaying any work that, that our mental health people do. But if they all of a sudden weren't here, you're not going to send a kid home because they're having some big emotions. You're right. just going to do whatever you yeah. think you can do and support them, right? And I, I don't think that's wrong. I think, you know, and, and I think it, all, it always comes down to intentions, right? And I think probably anyone, like I'm thinking of, you know, uh, the people, the supports in our building, right? Like they'd, they'd say the exact same thing to mm -hmm. you, right? Like I, I like there's, there's really, we're at a point, I think, in some of our, in some of our buildings where there's no end in sight of the amount, the sheer amount of, of students that are requesting help. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think, and, and again, not downplaying, downplaying what these students need, but I mean, at the same time, there are people that do require that support from a professional mm -hmm. because they're a safety risk, right? Yeah. And, and, and we know that that's right there. So I think that that's, but I think, 
I think in saying that too, right? Like not, not overcomplicating and, and just using your gut. And, and mm. I think using your intention to guide you too, right? Yeah. Like, like I know for a fact that Ryan's a, a, a good hearted person mm. and <laughs> does that, that surprises you. <laughs> Sorry, I th thought I... Is my mic... Is this, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's his birthday, folks. I thought that I'd... Oh. Thanks, guys. Uh, give oh, him it's a not my birthday. No. no, sorry. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. But at, at any rate, um, so I take that back. No, but I think, like, that's it. Our intentions <laughs> are to support kids, and I think nobody walked across the stage at their that their education graduate uh, graduation ceremony or became an EA or work, chose to work in schools because they didn't want to do what's best for kids, right? And I think it's this whole always worrying about overcomplicating and when yeah. we do complicate and that's when we make things worse because we make that student feel like they're an other or they're something or they're a burden right, right? yeah or that you have to get to the content so spending the time to maybe play a card game and have a conversation and 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 get regulated and and make those connections even if you're only teaching for half the class you're gonna kids are going to learn more because they're mm. feeling comfortable and ready to learn. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think, I think we need to give a lot of permission to teachers to do more of that and spend more of the time on the connection piece and take more, take pressure off to get through the curriculum. It is hard to do. It is. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. To take back. And I mean, you go to university and that's what you're, mm -hmm going to be doing in the classroom so it is great to hear from like a consultant and from yeah. people of the positions like trish position was even saying like yeah. those are important connector pieces yeah. but you need i think as teachers like myself i need to hear that i think yeah. i need to hear that from from consultants and say okay what i'm doing is okay yeah. this is this is okay right now because i five years ago i would be like oh man i gotta get through this i gotta get through that <laughs> this isn't working for me yeah. so it is good to hear that I think that that it validates what teachers want to do more yeah. in their class so if you were like when you, so you're consulting on a number of things uh, with a num working with a number of teachers you're working with a number of schools you're seeing some environments that you're probably walking into and you're saying man this is beautiful like mm -hmm. look at how this teacher has just set this up look at this classroom look at this environment this is a great, what would some of those look for's be as far as a consulting mind frame? <laughs> well, just because I'm in this beautiful environment now, like phys the physical environment matters even, you know, at the basic level, like um, simple, you know, basic colors, greenery, if you can, if you have windows. <laughs> um, yeah. <coughs> and then, you know, consistency um, so even even in older grades having the, the timetable up on the board for kids to to look at but also just just a calm it's it's really about um, for lack of better words like the energy of the space and the energy mm. of the, the teacher because we do have those mirror neurons and so if the people we're with are calm we're gonna be calm um, it's why animal therapy works, right? Yeah. Um, so it's more about your presence and, and being able to regulate yourself as, a, as the adult in the building or the adult in the room. So as far as regulation, what might some strategies be that co coming across <laughs> as a person who might be yeah. requesting a little bit of help for how to manage high energy? 
Um, I know that like for me, one thing that I started doing just recently was I started, uh, I downloaded the Calm app, right? Mm -hmm. So I started just taking that 10 minutes to, to meditate. <coughs> um, and I find like, is like things like that, is that what we're looking for or? <laughs> You're going to make me say deep breathing <laughs> so everybody can roll their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like there's a lot of, well, there's more and more really good research around meditation and how effective it is. But even something simple like taking a deep breath, pausing, um, when I, you know, maybe a kid says something that gets on our nerves, irritates us, um, just taking a break and, and taking that breath and, and, realizing and reminding ourselves it's not about us yeah. because it never is like if you've done any reading on you know defensiveness or the ego it's it's really never about us so just that reminder maybe it's a mantra every morning i don't know yeah but what would you hope to see um what practice might you might you might you hope to see a, t a teacher like start that day with what what might that routine work with whether you're a grade one teacher or you're teaching physics 30? So I, be I believe highly in modeling. So, I mean, as a teacher, you could do the practice with your classroom, whatever that looks like, whether that's a little meditation or a, a breathing exercise or just the lights off and just starting with, you know, even just reading a book. Yeah. Kids of, yeah. I, in my experience, even grade 12 kids like to be read too. Yeah. Right. So they start the day. The lights are low. You're reading a book. Just something to to regulate bodies and and brains. Yeah. And you can do that together, like modeling it. Everybody mm -hmm. needs it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that goes back to the thing too, where we don't feel that we have the permission because mm -hmm. we're worried that well, I'm teaching physics thirty. Like there, if if I if I start off my day by reading for ten or fifteen minutes, man, I'm I'm gonna be, but we're so much more prepared mm -hmm. to do that, right? We're so much more prepared to understand, to learn, if we're regulated, and then if the student's energy is down, your energy is down, it, the, the instruction then turns into be purposeful, it turns into having impact, mm -hmm. the students understand what they're doing, the routine is established, and then the environment is able to, you're able to cut through all that, that, um, I don't know, energy. Yeah. Yeah. R Ryan, he plays nature nature you start, yeah. i walked into your classroom you were you had some nice natural it's, music going on it's called uh chill hop oh, cool. Ch chill hop instrumentals and so um i actually found myself using it more uh, but i started playing it earlier so the students weren't even here yet i was actually finding i was playing it for myself more so than when the students were in so then i would find a nice three-hour youtube compilation and I would just push play when I get to the school, like 8.05, and it was like, I just found it was something that I kind of needed. And then mm -hmm. we noticed it when I didn't play it. There was a couple of days where we just were interrupted and we couldn't really get it started. It made a difference, and students started asking for it. And students that I didn't think were actually listening to it were the ones that were wanting it back on. Yeah. And so that was a change that I did this block. Like, just trying new things every block, dependent on the students. Like, what are their needs? What do they want? And the music was a big one for this group that I have right now. So, yeah. but you notice it when you don't have it on. It's that background noise and it's gone. It's like, oh, wow. That air register is not the same soothing yeah. 
sound is uh, this <laughs> and music. It, and it is a bit of a rowdy group that you have. Um, well, and they need that. Honestly, yeah. like mm -hmm. Mondays are usually tough, but there's times when Wednesdays and Thursdays are tougher than the Monday. And so, yeah, I found that that music is really helping just establish our soft landing at the start of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a new thing for me too. Like teaching art back in elementary, music was just something I always did, but this actually has a purpose. This is actually f with the intention of calming the whole environment yeah. before they even step into it. But you're right about the energy. Um, last week I had a moment where I didn't have good energy and I did apologize for it. I said, you know what, that's not fair to you. I, I did have to recognize that I brought in a bad vibe and um, and they were receptive to the apology. It wasn't I was I wasn't apologizing for you know something drastic. It was just the whole energy I was giving off. So you're you're right about that. It does yeah. start with us. And I'm being more cognizant to that. I'm trying really hard. Some days are tough. Like so, at the start of a day, like you've got the calm app. Yeah. Um, what would you advise? Like, what would you say to a and we're all different. But let's say before the students even get there, what's something that a teacher could do? I'm an early bird here. Like I'm here at like quarter to eight, eight o'clock, because I have my routine to go through, um, <laughs> which is the overthinking piece. Yeah. So what would you say to a teacher that's needing to find a way to bring that positive energy? Yeah, it's, it's so different for everybody. Mm. Like some people like to exercise in the morning. Some people need to go for some outside time. Some people like music. Some people like silence. Um, a lot of it is just being prepared and having a routine, though. So if you don't have a routine, it's good to create one. And whether or not you're, like if you're running late and you need to, to have the kids, even like your students, join in to your morning routine, whatever that is, like that's good modeling. Like, oh, I'm feeling a little flustered right now. Let's just take a moment. And because if you're feeling flustered, they're feeling flustered. Yeah. Like if you're sure. trying to rush through it. So yeah, it's, it, there's, no, there's no magic wand, but it's all about, it really is all about regulation, like physical regulation and, and brain regulation. And even our, like the mental illnesses that we're seeing as being really um, prevalent right now, like anxiety, depression, those are, those are regulation disorders, right? So yeah. either you're too, running too low or you're running too high. So how do we get our, ourselves regulated? And it's, it's good to model. And mm -hmm. even in the middle of class, if you're just like feeling overwhelmed, it's okay to just stop everything and just everybody do something together. It's that, cool. that connection. Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on social media. <laughs> <laughs> so, and maybe we'll have to go into a two-parter now. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I think it's, it's fairly, it's almost too new to know what like the research is, is telling us because it's like, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. Is it and it's changing years? all the time. It's changing yeah. all the time. Yeah. I don't really have social media myself, but I can't, I try to imagine what it's like to be a teenager knowing that anytime I was at a party or with friends or out socializing or even in school that that could be documented by somebody mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of pressure and and also knowing what I'm missing out on when I'm not there like yeah you know we just you didn't know so you weren't always connected um, and then just the 
sometimes it can be really inauthentic. So kids feel this pressure to be a certain way because their friends are, that's what they're seeing on social media. I don't really, I don't know. I think there's lots of good things, but I think it's, it's definitely, how can it not be having an impact on our, on our young people? I have no idea how it can't be. When I so, find that they're always gravitating to something new, they know mm-hmm. so much more about it than yeah. I think we do. Yeah. Um, one minute they're on a Snapchat, but then two weeks later, Snapchat is done for yeah, them, they, and they they're onto a Discord yeah. server. Like, yeah. 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 It's about keeping your ear to the ground of what's out there, but man, yeah. it changes so much. Well, and the thing that I that I sit on too is like I'm thinking, um, like as far as the students and a lot of teachers and in different schools have done different things right like we've always gone with the the idea of okay we want to teach like we want to teach students how to use their technology responsibly so we don't necessarily want to have a have a huge like we don't allow uh, cell phones in our like they got to stay in the lockers or stay in the pockets or whatever like that or like we really try to let teachers choose and make those decisions but i'm just thinking from a mental health perspective like seeing the amount of drain that I see as far as FOMO, as far as the, the, the bullying, as far as the, the, the conversations, the, all those little things like maybe a mental health strategy for your school is to implement that cell phone break from nine o'clock until 3.30 where you're just like, I, I, I'm the more and more I'm leaning towards that. And I've always been a, stru- a strong advocate of trying to like allow people to, to give students the freedom to make the choices. But I think maybe we're at a point where it'd be an interesting thing to see what would happen from a mental health perspective. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And as the adults, we have to sometimes make those decisions for, for kids. I think we give them um, sometimes too much say in, in what they can handle and what they can't. And sometimes we need to make those decisions for them. And I, I think it would be interesting. Kids are reporting you know, record highs of feelings of loneliness right and yet they're so connected through social media so something's not working there right and so if they're in class and they're allowed to have their phone and they're on their phone and they're not connecting or listening because i I don't think anybody can really listen to somebody else talk and be on their no social media (laughs) like it's it's not actually possible well like the amount of people who can actually multitask is like nil nil (laughs) yeah so as i think for part of the day for sure and what's wrong with checking it at breaks i mean as a adult at work are we on our phones all the time no 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 so i think and also like i was going to ask you then because i'm sure we don't just have it's not just educators listening like parents listening what are some strategies that you would even say to them because we see them for six and a half hours a day yeah but at home i think it could be a bigger struggle um, for parents on like what can they do what and I don't know if this is where you want to go with advice I just thought (laughs) what would you say to a parent who who's struggling with that well just just the same thing like you can you can make that decision for your child and sometimes as the adult you need to do that so um, you know you guys probably hear all the time how kids are on their phone till three, four in the morning mm-hmm. and, and they're coming and they're tired and, and they haven't slept. So, um, and then they're feeling anxious and they're feeling depressed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and as, as an adult myself, like if I have my screens, you know, my iPad, my iPhone beside the bed and I'm on it too late 
or I'm watching, you know, one more show of Netflix at 11 o'clock at night, that impacts me too. So how do you model, like, how are you modeling as an ad, as a parent too? Because the, they're the biggest influences, right? So just modeling healthy behavior. Um, the one thing I would say is if you're going to expect your kids off screens, have something for them to do or do something right. together instead right. of just say, get off your screen. So we're going to read together. Right. We're going to go for a walk. Yeah. Stuff, you know? yeah. It's, yeah. 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 I just find that it's sometimes it's a battle that is a, like in myself being a parent, it's a battle mm -hmm. that sometimes we just don't want to fight. Yeah. yeah. And it's just easier to kind of let yeah. it go. And I think that that's something that we need to like the modeling sense. Yeah is that we need to kind of start that process yeah. if we want change. So, yeah. And even your behavior on social media, right? Because we have, you know, if you expect your kids to be kind on social media, then you as a parent should be kind on your social media. And asking, you know, even, even before, I, I've talked to lots of kids who get upset when their parents post pictures of them, let alone their friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So having those conversations, do you mind if I post this picture yeah. or is it okay or what do you think, right? Mm. Instead of just sharing with the world. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. As soon as your child blocks you, there's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. Like the, that's, yeah. that's a conversation yeah. to have. So. Yeah. And I've had, I've had the, the comment well, he's 15, what am I supposed to do? He's 15, what yeah. He, yeah. Or what? Yeah. Or he's 16, or he's 17. Yeah. Well, who's paying for the phone? Yeah. <laughs> who's paying yeah. for the car? Who's, like, you are the, still the parent, and it's hard, but, I mean, I, I think it's Brene Brown, but it's, you know, pick your heart, choose mm -hmm. your heart. Yeah. Like, it's either hard now yeah. or hard after. Either way, it's going to be hard, so some yeah. of those things are hard in the moment, but, yeah. That's awesome. Kelly... Um, we're just going to wrap up here. Like, I think we probably could have had this conversation for like another couple of hours. This is super interesting. We'd yeah, love to is. have you back on again at some point. Um, final thoughts on how the kids are doing right now? Well, if I said, I don't really know. <laughs> um, I think we, I think the kids, I think kids are resilient. I think people are resilient. Yeah. I think they've always been resilient. And we just have to be careful with, with listening to how they're doing and honoring how they're doing and just trying to be a support for however they're doing. Because we have kids who are doing fine and we have kids who are doing great and we have kids who are struggling. Yeah. And so I, I think just putting it out there that everybody's struggling or 